Lord, we do thank you for your presence with us this morning. We thank you for your, your goodness and your grace. Lord, you have so much for us. And we thank you for your word that speaks so much truth into our lives. And if we take hold of that and allow your spirit to work with us, Lord, you bring great freedom to us. And Lord, pray for Andy. We bless you for him. Thank you for the work in his life, in his family. Pray that you bless them. We pray that bless Andy as he shares with us now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Phil. Good morning, church. Lovely to see everyone. It's a lovely day. You're all looking lovely as well. Um, yeah, it's a good day today. And uh, for those who don't know me, let me quickly introduce myself. My name's Andy. I'm part of the leadership of Encounter Church, and I'm originally from the Czech Republic, in case you're wondering about the accent. And the best thing about me is that I'm a maths teacher. So you better listen carefully because I might be asking some maths questions today. But uh, just checking that the PowerPoint's working. It's my lovely wife and son, Israel. But um, anyway, today we have our last part of the Freedom in Christ series. And so far we had... Pastor Rachel shared about identity, Jamie spoke on truth, and last week Pastor Phil spoke about our minds being renewed. Now, I wonder, has God spoken to you about anything specific that we've covered in this series? Was there something that really encouraged you or, or really challenged you? Was there something specific that, that you heard God speaking to you? Maybe just something really stuck out that you want to look into a bit more. So, as you know, we don't do these talks just, just for fun, for entertainment. We believe that, that as, we, as we bring you these, um, these, uh, these words, God is speaking through them. So we want to be aware of what God is saying to each one of us personally. As the leadership of the church, we felt that this topic, this freedom in Christ is going to be beneficial to, to all of us. So is there anything that you, you can think of from the past few weeks, about the identity, truth, or the renewing mind that God has spoken to you? And if you can think of something, would you mind even raising your hand? Is there anything that you can think about that God has spoken to you over, the, over this series that... That was for you, that really encouraged you, really challenged you. Well, I don't see many hands, but the good news is the series is not over yet. There's one more part today. So I want to encourage us. Let, let's keep our hearts and minds open because God really wants to communicate to us about the freedom in Christ. The, the, the key verse for this series is from Galatians 5. And it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And we want to walk in that freedom. We want to experience that freedom. And there's things in our lives that are stopping us. And God, God has words of life to speak into our lives in this series to help us experience that freedom in a new degree. But Let's look at the last part of this series, which is about forgiveness. Now, at first, there might, might seem like a strange connection between freedom in Christ and forgiveness. 
But I will try to convince you today that forgiveness is absolutely essential to living in freedom. That forgiveness is absolutely essential to living in freedom. It's the key ingredient that we, that we really need in order to experience freedom in Christ. So, let's jump straight in. There are two parts to forgiveness. Us receiving forgiveness and us extending forgiveness to others. And the first part is about us being forgiven by God. And the second is we forgiving others. And as we will see, hopefully, there is a dynamic connection between the two parts. And it's extremely difficult to have one without the other. There are two sides of the same coin. They are dynamically linked to each other. So we'll explore that today. Let's focus on the first part, us being forgiven by God, receiving forgiveness from God. Now, this is Christianity 101, as the Americans say. Do you have any Americans here? Oh, South Americans. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, this is Christianity 101, being forgiven by God. It is the central message of the gospel. Uh, that because of what Jesus has done on the cross, we can now be forgiven. The good news of the Christian faith that has been preached for nearly 2,000 years across the whole globe is about God's love and forgiveness. So and the message starts with this, that we all know each one of us has not lived up to our full potential. We did things that hurt others. We, we did things that were against God's good plan for his creation we all chose to put ourselves first above other people and even above God himself. But Jesus Christ willingly went to the cross. He, he bore the punishment that was due to us for, for our sin, the punishment for our wrongdoings. And therefore now God can freely forgive us and restore us. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 to 9, we read this. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If you claim that you've never acted selfishly, you are not fooling us. We, we know you. You're only fooling yourself. Yeah. If you claim you have never sinned, you are only fooling yourself. You're not living in the truth. But if you confess your sin, then it's guaranteed that you will be forgiven. And if we confess our wrongdoing to God, he will 100% forgive us. But at the same time, that means that forgiveness is not automatic. Not everyone is forgiven. Again, we must come to God asking for forgiveness. Um, think about it like this. If you want to release a murderer from a prison, but 
he still wants to go on and, and murder other people, it wouldn't make sense to forgive him his sentence. And so it is with us. We need to be willing to, to leave our selfish lifestyle. We need to be willing to, to, to change, to embrace the new life that, that Christ has for, us, has for us, to follow him. And we need to be willing, we need to confess our sin, be willing to change, and God will surely forgive us. Again, it is not automatic, but it is guaranteed. It is guaranteed. If we come to him, he will surely forgive us. And if you've been coming to a church for a while, hopefully, this is not new to you, and you've heard this many times, if it's your first time, feel free to chat to me after if you want to know more about this. But this is the central message of the gospel. We, we talk about this a lot. We have seen Jesus. He, he died on the cross for us so that we can freely be, be forgiven as we, as we come to God for forgiveness. But I have a question for you. How does God feel about forgiving us? When we come to him, when we approach him, how does he feel about forgiving us? Now, many of us first learn about forgiveness as children when we fight other children, especially our siblings. Now, I, I have three sisters, and we used to fight a lot. In fact, it was absolute carnage as, as kids. Anyone else used to fight with their siblings? I'm not sure. Okay. Is there anyone here who has a sibling and they never fought? Never fought with their sibling? No one, good. Yeah. <laughs> I thought so, I thought so. So, when we, so all of you know how it works, that when your parents fi- find out that you were fighting, they make one of you to apologize and the other one needs, needs to forgive that it seems pretty random. Who does what? It's never, ne- never the way it's actually meant to be. But one of you is apologizing. The other one's forgiving. And to show your forgiveness, always had to hug your sibling for some reason. Again, hug your sister now. And, of course, the last thing I would want to do after fighting with my sister was to, to hug her. But when your mom or dad is standing there with a wooden spoon, what... <laughs> What choice do you, realistically, what, what choice do you have? You're going to hug your sister whether you want or not. It's a reluctant forgiveness, isn't it? So the question is, how does God feel about forgiving us? Because sometimes it is easy to think that he is almost forced to forgive us. Because Jesus has died on the cross he has to forgive us now. Whether he likes it or not, he has to forgive us. Sometimes it's easy to feel like that. He doesn't really want to, and he's a little bit disappointed with us. He's a little bit annoyed, but because Jesus died, he's going to forgive us anyway. But there's some reluctancy. He's, he's forced into forgiveness a little bit. But the, this couldn't be further from the truth. This is completely wrong. This is not our God. In Micah chapter 7, verse 18, we read this. Who is a God like you, who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. Our God delights in mercy. He loves to forgive. He loves to forgive us. 
It's not a chore or a burden to him. If you were to ask God what he likes to do on his day off, on his spare time, he would probably tell you that his favorite thing to do is to forgive, to show mercy. That is his delight. It's his favorite thing. It's not a burden. He enjoys forgiving. And that is why he went to such a length in order to be able to forgive. That is why he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, so that he could forgive, that he will be enabled to forgive. God wants to forgive us. And so when we, when we come to him, it's important to know that again, he's not disappointed. He's not, he's not going to shame us. No, he's, he's smiling. He wants to embrace us. He's happy to forgive us. And um, yeah, he, he really likes forgiveness. Now, Jesus himself, he gives us a beautiful picture of this in the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, hopefully, you've all heard about the parable of the prodigal son, but as, as this son who does all sorts of bad things to the family, to the father, to himself, but when he approaches his father, when he comes back to his father, the father is extremely happy to see him. He runs towards his son. He, he throws a party to celebrate. The father doesn't shame the son in any way. Instead, he puts a robe on him. He gives him a, a nice new ring. And that's the picture that Jesus gives us of how God feels about forgiveness. He is this Father who, who runs towards us to embrace us without any shame, again, without any disappointment. He, he wants us to, to come to Him. He wants to forgive us. So that is the picture of, the, of God that we should have in our minds. Because again, it's, it's easy. We know God will have to forgive us, but sometimes we just feel reluctant to approach him because we, we feel that shame and guilt, but there is no shame or guilt in God's presence. We can freely come to him. So that's all nice, God, God forgiving us, but we must talk about the second part as well of forgiveness, and that is us forgiving others. Now, let's read from Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 22. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not just seven times, but 70 times seven. Quick maths questions. 70 times seven, anyone? And Norman's not allowed. 490. Very good, very good. I present I didn't hear the, the wrong answers. But so Jesus wants us to forgive others 490 times. And that's what we learn from this verse. But um, obviously, what P Peter thought that forgiving just a little bit was enough. As long as I forgive a little bit, that's enough. But Jesus wants us to be extremely generous with our forgiveness. Again, just forgiving a little bit is not enough. Jesus wants us to be extremely generous with our forgiveness. Again, we can't just 
tick the box, yeah, I've forgiven a little bit. He says, no, go. Be generous with your forgiveness. And to illustrate this, he continues uh, by telling us the parable of the unforgiving servant. Now, we don't have time to, to read it all. It's a long parable. So just to quickly summarize, this parable is about a king who forgives uh, a debt of 10,000 talents to one of his servants. But afterwards, that servant goes and is unwilling to forgive his friend a debt of 100 denarii. We have time for some quick maths, though. One talent is 6,000 denarii. One denarius is one day worth of work. So how many denarii is 10,000 talents? <laughs> 60 million denarii. So 10,000 talents is 60 million denarii. So we've got 60 million Base worth of work of debt that was forgiven to this to this servant. That's that's quite a lot, isn't it? Doesn't include weekends or anything like that. It's just just a lot. It's just it's just ridiculous sum that we have. And as opposed to that, we've got hundred denarii, hundred days of work, and we've got sixty million as compared to hundred. And, and what Jesus is again trying to illustrate here is that we want to be extremely generous with our forgiveness. Now, we have been extremely forgiven, and we, we want to be extremely forgiving as well. Again, it just makes up this ridiculous sum just to, just to illustrate how the expectation that we have that is on us for forgiveness, not just a little bit. Again, we can often quibble over the hundreds, where the target is 60 million. So we want to be extremely generous. But let's look at another verse, which is a bit controversial. This is from uh, Matthew chapter 6, and it's Jesus saying this. He says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins... Neither will your Father forgive yours. Is what Jesus is saying here correct? Well, of course it is. It's Jesus saying it. But how do we reconcile this with what we've just said about forgiveness earlier? We said that as long as we come to God and recognizing our, our wrongdoing, he will forgive us. And we read that from 1 John. There were no ifs, no buts. If we confess our sins, he will forgive us. That was pretty clear. And that's, that's what we read earlier. So how do we understand what Jesus is saying here? Because that seems pretty clear as well. Now, let's picture this. There's a, there's a road and... You want to stop the traffic going in one direction, so you decide to, to shut the road, to close the road. And, of course, what happens is that the traffic doesn't just stop in one direction. If you close that road, traffic stops going in both directions. Or, so when you 
close forgiveness, is it any surprise that there's no forgiveness flowing from either direction? Or maybe more modern example, the internet. You can upload or download from the internet. And if you decide, I'm not going to be uploading anything, and you switch off your internet connection, well, you won't be doing any downloading either. There's a connection between the two that when you cut off, it's extremely difficult to receive the other direction as well. Forgiveness must be flowing in both directions. Now, let me explain in more detail. When we receive God's forgiveness, the Bible tells us that something amazing happens. We receive a new heart. Instead of a heart of stone, we receive a heart of flesh. And the grace of God is so powerful. We receive his forgiveness. It changes us from the inside. And that's, that's what God's forgiveness does. It, it has an effect on our lives. It gives us new hearts. But the Bible is, there's many places where it's warning us not to harden our hearts again. We've been given these new hearts of flesh instead of hearts of stone. The Bible is warning us not to harden our hearts again. And of course, that's what unforgiveness does. It just closes our hearts a little bit. It hardens our hearts when we, when we hold to, to unforgiveness. So instead of having open and loving, loving heart, when we choose unforgiveness, we are choosing to, to close our hearts a little bit. And, when, and what Jesus is telling us here is how dangerous it is to let our hearts grow hard through unforgiveness. It is dangerous to, to let our hearts grow hard again. Because eventually, if we continue to do so, it, they, will, they will become so hard that it will be impossible for us to receive forgiveness. And if we let our hearts grow too hard, then we will not be able to receive any forgiveness from God. So, that is, so it's not that... God has a condition for us to be forgiven, that he will not forgive us otherwise. No, we already said that God loves to forgive us. He's looking for any possible way to forgive us. But, again, how can we receive his forgiveness if our hearts are closed? We will not be able to. Now, just to note, what Jesus is definitely not saying here is that if someone cuts you off when you're driving and you don't forgive them in the first five seconds, that you won't be forgiven. Again, what, he's de- what he's describing here is a process. You see, he, he's saying if you choose a lifestyle of unforgiveness, then that will eventually lead to, to, to this state when you are unable to receive forgiveness because you close your heart to, to God and to people. So we want to be careful not to harden our hearts. Now, let me propose this to you. I think that to live in freedom is to live with open and generous hearts. Open and loving hearts. I think that's what freedom is, is all about. Out of all the people that I've met in my life, the people that were the happiest were people with big, generous hearts. They were not the successful people, not the rich people, not the beautiful people. They were people that just had big, generous hearts. There was something about them. They were just, they were just such joy. 
That is what freedom is about. That's what Jesus has given us. He's given us new hearts, and he wants us to live out from these, these new hearts of flesh. I think that's what, uh, that's what freedom is about, living with big, open hearts. And so what sin does in general, and un- unforgiveness especially, is that it robs us of this freedom by hardening our hearts, by closing our hearts. So, so forgiveness is essential to living in freedom because freedom is about living these free, open hearts. And one of the Proverbs says this, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. We want to beware of anything that would seek to harden our hearts, that would seek to tame the new hearts that we've been given through God's forgiveness and love. Now we're into our last section here. And this, uh, this verse that, that we, we've just talked about is from Matthew chapter 6. And it's in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. It's a sermon of, of Jesus in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And uh, I often talk about this sermon, so the chances are, if you heard me talk before, that, that you, you've heard this before. But Jesus says that this, is, this, is, um, this sermon is foundational to our Christian living. It contains all of the foundational topics for our Christian living. That's why I invest a lot of time in, in trying to understand and live out what he says in this sermon. And so we're in, this, in the middle of this sermon, Matthew chapter 6, and this verse is found in the first half of, of chapter 6, where Jesus lists five activities that help us help to promote our spiritual growth. And again, and you could rephrase it, the help to, to grow our hearts, the help to soften our hearts. So there's five activities that, that Jesus mentions, and they are uh, giving, serving, praying, forgiving, and fasting. There's five activities that Jesus talks about in this first half of, of Matthew 6. Again, I'll repeat them. It's it's giving and serving, and there's praying, forgiving, and fasting. So he includes forgiving in this list of activities that we should seek to do regularly as Christians that will, that will help to promote our spiritual lives, that will help to grow us. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to grow. So I regularly check, how am I doing with these five activities? Because again, these, these things help help my growth. They, they promote what God's doing in my life. So I ask myself, um, uh, do, I, do I give generously? Do I have a servant's heart? How is my prayer? Do I fast regularly? And I also ask, do I have an open and forgiving heart? This is something we should be doing regularly. We should not just be waiting until someone really hurts us, then we start to think about forgiveness. No, Jesus puts it in this category of things that we should be doing regularly, like we should be giving and praying. And it's not something that we do just when things happen. We want to do these proactively and on almost day-to-day basis. So we should be thinking about forgiveness, about living with open and free hearts, free of any offense on a daily basis. And so, of course, 
when we talk about forgiveness, it's not just about the big offenses. It's about the small things in life. It's about how easily annoyed we get when we, when we interact with people. It's about whether we hold grudges or not. Forgiveness can be about these, these small things. Is how do we interact with other people? Is our heart easily offended? So it's something we should be doing proactively. And as we do that, it would be much easier to deal with the bigger things in life when we're used to dealing with these small things. But uh, forgiveness can be really hard, isn't it? C.S. Lewis uh, wrote this in Mere Christianity. He, he wrote that everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until he has something to forgive. And it's so nice to talk about forgiveness, God, God forgiving us, isn't it? So nice. It's such a nice topic. But forgiveness is really hard. When someone hurt you, when some, someone has done something to you, it's not easy to, to, to forgive. It's, it's not such a lovely idea. But let me put this to you. Praying is, is hard. Giving is, is hard. Giving generously and sacrificially, that's hard. Going out of your way to serve others, that, that's, that's hard. Now, fasting, that's, that's proper hard. All, right? <laughs> all of these things are hard. And they should not stop us from not doing. Just because something is hard should not stop us from doing that. We don't stop praying just because it's, it's, it's hard. We don't stop giving because, just because it's hard. It's the same thing with forgiveness. We want to be committed to forgive despite it being hard. And uh, finally, just because something is hard doesn't mean we can't enjoy it. The Bible encourages, encourages us to be cheerful givers, for example. Now, does that mean that when I'm giving my hard-earned cash to someone, I should be happy about it? Yes, that, that's what it means. Uh, it, it encourages us again to serve with zeal. There's, we should have joy in prayer. Jesus tells us that when we fast, we shouldn't be gloomy, but we should put on nice clothes, put on a perfume, as if we were going to a feast rather than a fast. And when we do these hard things, Jesus encourages us to do them with joy. So when we forgive, and it's hard, it's not easy, there can be a lot of hurt, but that doesn't mean we can't do that with joy. Just like our Heavenly Father who delights in mercy, He loves to forgive. Is it, is it easy for God to forgive? Of course not. He had to send His Son, Jesus. But He does it with joy. He loves to for, forgive. And we can put some joy into our forgiving. It's not, not easy, but we want to commit to that. So let's embrace forgiveness. Let's forgive generously and often. Let our hearts be free of any bitterness. Let forgiveness not be a burden, but our joy, despite how hard it is. Now, we're at the end of my sermon, but you might wonder about some practicalities regarding forgiveness. What to do in situation with more serious offense. For example, does Forgive it. Does forgive mean forget? Or if you've forgiven someone, does that mean you continue your relationship with them exactly in the same way as before? There's a 
a lot of practical questions we might have about forgiveness, and my answer to all of them is, it depends. Because all relationships are unique and complicated, and we need a lot of wisdom to know how to deal with each specific relationship. Our responsibility is to have willing hearts to forgive. We need to have open and generous hearts to forgive. And then we need to seek wisdom to know how to practically work out some problems in relationships. And the good news is our church is full of wise and experienced people. So if, if you want some, some help, if you're going through something, you want to forgive, you don't know how, ask, ask for help. There's loads of very wise, experienced people that, that I'm sure would, would love to give you some advice pray with you, see God's wisdom for each relationship. Again, our responsibility is firstly to, to open our hearts, to have our hearts free of any offense, to extend that, that forgiveness, to be extremely generous with that forgiveness. But the practicalities, again, that, that depends on each relationship. But let's, let's pray to close. Father God, we are so grateful for your forgiveness. We are so grateful that you are a God who loves to forgive, that that is who you are, God who delights in mercy. So we thank you this morning that we are forgiven because of what Jesus has done on the cross. We are all freely forgiven. And we, we, we receive your forgiveness this morning, Father. We rejoice in your forgiveness we want to walk in that freedom of your forgiveness. And as we, as we receive your forgiveness, we, we also want to extend forgiveness to, to others around us. Well, this morning, we want to be committed to, to live without any offense, to, to forgive generously and often. Father, would you, would you help us by your Spirit? We know that forgiveness can be really tough. We're asking for your, for your Holy Spirit to, to help us this morning to forgive, to forgive completely, to, to forgive with, with, even with joy. Help us, Holy Spirit. We, we are open to your, to your influence, to your work in our hearts this morning, Holy Spirit. Soften our hearts again. We don't want any bitterness, any root of bitterness in our hearts, in our lives. We want our hearts to, be, to grow soft again. We don't want any hardness. Work in our hearts, Holy Spirit, we ask. We are, we are willing to live this, this life of, of, of generous love and forgiveness. So help us to do that, Holy Spirit. And, and as we close this series on freedom in Christ, we are just so grateful, Jesus, for all the things that, that, that you've brought into our lives, that you've brought freedom into our lives. We are so grateful for you, Jesus, that because of you we have freedom, and we pray we may walk in the fullness of your freedom. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.